Hello, and welcome to Tell the Damn Story. I am Christopher Ryan, an award-winning hybrid author, teacher, multi-platform creative, and former award-winning journalist. Also on the mic is Kids Comic Con and the Color of Comics Expo Exhibition founder, Alex Simmons, an award winner since 1996, including an Inkpot Award from the San Diego Comic Con and three Glyph Awards from the East Coast Black Age of Comics Con. He has written Sherlock Holmes, Tarzan, Batman, Superman, and Scooby-Doo, among so many other beloved characters, and is the creator of the legendary African-American soldier of fortune, Aaron Blackjack Day, whose 1930s adventures comment on today's social problems. On Tell the Damn Story, we celebrate the trials and tribulations, the challenges and the joys of creativity, and hopefully along the way, help you decide how you want to tell your own damn story. And, hey, hey, hey. And I tell you what, <laughs> I just experienced it again. Yes, you know, creating mistakes, learning the hard way. I just did in the most beautiful way possible, the most positive way possible. And I think we should talk about that just to start out. God bless okay. you. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Wow. Time of season, baby. Yes, it is. Wow. And they just seasoned my nose. Wow. Okay. So, so wait, so what is this thing? What, what, what? All right. So, um, literally, uh, the phone rang like much longer than it usually does when you call me for this recording because I was finishing an email to uh, divinationhollow.com. Now, I want to talk about this place. This is like a horror uh, um, website, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and they're doing uh well let me explain for a minute so i you know i'm doing more of uh writers and writing communities uh on twitter you know and 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 trying to get out the noise and get in the the, the stuff that i can you know that right. i can right and it's working uh, you can curate ladies and gentlemen you can curate your own twitter world uh, many people have done that to the detriment of America, but you can do it in a positive way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, ran across these people that were, um, announcing an anthology, you know, and I, I, I read when the deadlines were, and it was like 2020. And so I wrote to them, you know, in the message, um, are these dates correct? I'm, I'm not quite understanding. And they were cool enough to say, Two things, not not just yeah, this is this is the end. Uh, this is the ad from last year. We're announcing that the anthology is finally coming out. You know, despite mm -hmm. all of the world pandemic. Uh, not only did they send that, they also sent, but we got you, bro, and they <laughs> sent us a link. Send me a link to current calls for submissions. Ah. And I was so impressed with their generosity that I said, well, let me see if I can do something for them. Right? This is called divinationhollow.com. Very, very cool place. Very cool site. And the first call was Pride in Horror Month. And it was Gay Pride in Horror. And uh, they had a little video on how to do things and all the stuff. And it was, the deadline was was yesterday, right? So, and I got this like Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. Yesterday uh, being what date? Just, just for May reference. May 15th. May 15th. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, um, I was so impressed with their generosity generosity is important you know and to to be welcoming you know is is always an impressive thing to me and i wanted to find a way to thank them and as she always does stevie popped up ah and, a character uh, from genius high yeah character from genius high when i was um in the second third fourth chapter maybe fifth chapter when we finally get to the high school uh, Ignatius Bob was a, 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 a character uh, to be explained in another episode. God, what a great character. And the name comes from a, um, a, a tombstone, gravestone in uh, St. Raymond's Cemetery that I saw. Since I wanted to name a character that since I was a kid. So um, he's taking some of the freshmen on a um, on a uh, tour of the school and okay. i wanted to show what i see as a high school teacher i wanted to show all the clicks all the different groups all the different stuff and uh one of the people i included in there was stevie and the reason i included stevie in there stevie is um 
has transi transitioned. She identifies as she, her, um, and is fantastic with fashion. Because uh, oh, you, you can diva, learn anything huh? on YouTube, you really can. Um, <laughs> but the idea was to see her once, and then you know, she'd be in with um, one group or the other, but <coughs> that was it. And the reason I wanted her in there was because um, I had just experienced uh, the latest kid who was transitioning in my school now that we've seen some glorious transitions uh one girl one yep identified as a girl one female um she transitioned and she went on to be one of the leads in rent it's fantastic she was the broadway the, show yeah yeah well yeah but it was the spring musical in the high school so she oh, was oh, oh okay yeah completely in her uh element in that play and did a fantastic job um but she used to go to class with these big boots, the high heel boots with no back heel. She just had to lean forward. It was fantastic. And she was just just 100% there. And you know what? The rest of the world can deal because I'm here. Right? <laughs> and it was just a breath of fresh air. Um, but you've seen uh, the other side of it. Yeah, yeah, I saw this one particular kid. You know, when you get your master's degree, you know, you study all those years, you get your master's degree. One of the things that you're given as part of the teacher is hallway duty because you can really use your master's degree there. So, um, <laughs> you got to have a master's to be a hallway monitor. Okay, got it. So I was in the hallway. Who the funk it? Down in the basement, some real, I just leave it alone, but this guy's an old fashioned thinker mm. and he's okay. so. Uh, the glory of the art rooms up by the English wing where were, the doors were painted like Van Gogh and they took all the ceiling tiles and they had kids paint paintings on there. So the muse, the root ceiling as you walk across campus leading to the art rooms was, was an, you know, an art museum. It was beautiful. He furious. This is that. And they were playing music and kids were moving around the room and it was, they were just like having fun. What the hell? There'll be no fun in school. He made those, he made that school transfer those art classes into a basement set of classrooms behind the custodians' rooms. Yeah, it was so, it's so, I just, I hate, and little by little, they, they disappeared. The artwork and the tiles. Yeah, there's no little art now. It's just sad, sad. And if anyone's at my school and want to get mad with me, I look forward to your cards and letters. Because um, <laughs> it's true. I'm not saying a damn thing that's not true. But, but you, were, you were talking about Stevie. Yeah. And so in that basement, that's where my hallway duty was. And every day this one kid came out. And he, he was still he. He hadn't transferred over to she, but he was trying. You know, so it would be a long flannel shirt. And tight pants that could be like tights or um or tights underneath it eventually was the big step forward or um a blousey shirt but jeans but jeans mm. underneath you know she was uh, really having a hard time and would walk the wall you know where the lockers were and try and press himself and then herself as she transitioned a little more into the wall that's to be unseen, it. unnoticed. Oh, oh, God, it was heartbreaking, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. And then she disappeared. No more in the school, disappeared. And, and it was even more painful. And this is why Stevie was born, to reach out, you know, to kids in that kind of pain, right? Uh, great ending to her story. Um, the real that, person. The real person. Okay. Uh, disappeared for three, four, five months. I don't know what was going on, right? Uh, homeschooled or whatever. Or um, you know, a teacher would travel to the school. That kind of stuff. Um, and then I was also the journalist at the time. The journalism teacher, besides other things. And we were putting our graduation issue together. So I would get whatever was left over from the yearbook. And I'm going through some of the prom pictures. And there's one prom picture. It's almost like, you know, that last picture in The Shining. 
mm-hmm. closer and closer and yep. Jackson, right yeah but instead this picture is everyone's dancing and like leaning into the camera and in the center in a glorious emerald gown full makeup fully transitioned the only time i ever saw her smile there she is so the same character who had been trying to become invisible oh. disappears for four months and then the next time oh. and the last time you see them is in that photograph and they fully transition yeah wow and ironically she was as stylish as stevie but stevie was already born by then you know so it was just a confirmation that i was going the right direction yeah. all right so back to divination hollow and oh I, yeah right <laughs> I, I, got the in that story. I forgot about the reason for the story okay. and uh they're they're a great site and they're great people so you should go and give them your, their support your support okay um so they offered this you know call for submissions for pride and history you know and it's and a cl- uh, pride for um lbgtq plus or allies well, you know, I'm not the most vocal ally, but, you know, in my way in stories, especially with, you know, if Stevie's involved. And I had had this story of Stevie's first date. It was 5,000 words. She needed, uh, they needed 2,500, so I had to cut it down a lot. Um, Ignatius Bop was in it, but again, they didn't have the time. So I said, what would be Pride and Horror? What would be the, you know, what would be her horror experience, you know? And um, honestly, I said, well, the 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 horror part of the date where um, their second ever kiss, you know, uh, this guy, Peter, um, who was cis, uh, cis leaning, he's trying to pass as cis, but he's he's gay. And uh, he falls for Stevie. And uh, who couldn't? I mean, who couldn't? This, this, she's such a nice, nice person, you know? Um, so he, they kiss on her front porch. She walks her home. And the next day, he's all nervous and all this stuff and walks out of the classroom before her. And uh, she pursues. And she confronts him in the theater hallway. And she says, you know, we didn't do anything wrong. It's okay that we kissed, you know? And he goes, no, that's not what it's about. And he goes, isn't it, though? And she sa- he says, no, it's the next thing. And she says, yo, slow your roll, big fella. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets all more flustered. He's like, no, oh, my God, no, no, no. no. Uh, uh, I was trying to, I was, I am trying to ask you to be my girlfriend. And she says, silence apologies. And someone put that romantic filter from Instagram all around us. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know what I did? I leaned up and I kissed that boy right there in that hallway. And everything was perfect. And I wanted that, you know, they described the kiss as being a little more the first one. And then I go back a little more urgently. And she wanted it to stretch out to ever. The very next line is, Fads! And three jocks come and it's just it's the horror it's you know it's the horror thing and that would be you know that would be horror and what i don't realize or what i didn't realize and what divination hollow was so cool about so you submitted it to them and they I read it and, and friday okay this morning right before we got on they sent me this and they're saying this is really good but it's Unfortunately, we can't use it. And here are the reasons why. And she's like, that particular horror is something that we try and not force our readers to re-experience. That makes crystal clear sense. You know, and only, you know, a cis guy like me who uh, sees it from a distance wouldn't have realized that at first you know so that was my first education and then they they're generous enough to go back go through a little more of the story and say well you know this you know this was a little wrong this was a little this and if you want so and so would be willing to give you more of an education 
tell me not that tell me that's not mm. the coolest rejection ever so i wrote them back immediately and thanked them and acknowledged that i see their point and um you know stevie uh was much more positive and much more you know she was fully transitioned in junior high and very very comfortable with herself um but i was trying to figure out what her biggest horror would be and of course i made that mistake well you know it, it it's funny because not funny haha uh funny ironic because you as the writer pursued exactly the proper path right in exploring a character and exploring their life and looking at their life and then saying what would be a horror what would be this what would be that um and and absolutely you know just like when we've talked about uh as men we've never been women and so we you know when we write female characters just a lot we don't know and we got to do our homework I think that again, recognizing that and acknowledging that, oh, you know, you're right. I didn't know this. I didn't know that. Cool. That's great on your part. And then on their part for them to say, and we're willing to school you yeah. is great. I, I immediately great. accepted that. Hopefully they will. Um, because I think there is more, you know, Steve is still talking to me. So I think there still is more, but you have to do it well and you have yeah. to do it right. And, and you have to want to do it well. And, and, um, as much as, as this is an episode and we could we could keep going on this, I want to actually use this to, oh God, poor. So to, let me just to, say thank to, you, Divination Hollow, and I will send them an email and say we spent the go. first 10 to 20 minutes talking about them because they are that cool. Divinationhollow.com, go check them out, see if they are for you. They're horror, dark horror, dark horror, dark science fiction, all that sort of stuff, but they seem extremely cool and worthy of a checkout. So there you go. Okay, in that's, lieu of that's very cool. You know, uh, usually we do a commercial to open up. In lieu of promoting all these books, you know, uh, Black Nerd Problems and in, Infinitum with Tim Fielder and, and yeah. Al Bernard Scheming, where I am, and Black Panther Tales of Wakanda, where you are, and Footnotes, where Kasim Gaines is. But in, in today, that promotion was Divination for Hollow. Divination Hollow because they are damn cool. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Divination damn cool. Okay, good. Uh, but let us segue. Let us segue actually from uh, what we were talking about and the story that you shared into the other portion of today's show, uh, which has a lot to do with perception, uh, mm -hmm. which I think is, 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 yeah. is, is yeah. not... It's not really given the, it's, it, we don't acknowledge the power perception, our perception of things has on what we do and how we, we do it. Um, I, was, I was telling you, because uh, we, we always have these pre-show, these pre-production uh, conversations, right. and I was telling you, yeah, right, yeah, that's right. We, we, the staff comes in and we all sit, it's all two of us. It's the damn story writer's room. Yeah, yeah where, where the two of us sit around a table. And, uh, <laughs> and I was telling you about uh, the perception of writers who become entrepreneurs online and how that has been explored and experienced and, and some have soared and some have crashed and burned over the decade or so that online entrepreneurship has exploded. And I was thinking about this because, you know, sometimes I explore some entrepreneurial pursuits and, and things like that. And I was uh, attending a conference not, not too many days ago and thousands of people, literally thousands of people. And I was looking at the reactions that these people had they they want to share they they want to teach they want to coach they want to sell a product they want to do something where they have more control of their income and their lives and pursue their dreams a lot of them are about pursuing a dream or a calling or 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 having more time to spend with their family so they're not doing the nine to five which always turns out to be like you know, seven to seven because of travel or whatever else. And as I was looking at their wants and their whys for doing these things and their dreams, I was also looking at what creatives go through when we want to write that book, want to write that play, have that, that, that story, that poem, that, that, that composition of music 
that's in us that we want to get out and we want the world to see it and we want the world to accept it and, and we want to be able to make a living at it. And it's our dream. And, so, and, and the things that lead up to us trying to pull it off, trying to accomplish it, and how perception, the sense of ourselves, how we see ourselves, and then our worry about how others see us or the thing we're going to create, how much that impacts on our potential success and our success. And so I wanted to explore that a bit today uh, because there's a lot of, you know, whether, whether you're going to be trying to sell your, your books or your screenplays to somebody else to produce, or you're thinking about producing it and publishing it yourself online or whatever, there is the, the first step of getting up the courage to take a shot at it, then actually creating the property and going through the process of creating it and getting it out in front of somebody or several somebodies to get feedback. And then, uh, as with you, Chris, uh, reaching a point of where you're sending it out, not just for feedback from friends or an editor or whatever, but from potential buyers or publishers. And how do you deal with rejection if that's what comes back your way and how many times? So I wanted to um, actually ask you a couple of things, and then I'm going to obviously share some things too. But you know, first off, you've talked about from time to time some of your experiences in your youth as, as a young kid full of ideas and imagination and creative storytelling with no clue what the process was and, yeah. and all of that. So, you know, there's that normal aspect of the child trying to figure stuff out. But then there was the influences around you. Sure. And I'm just curious if you could share just in a few minutes here some of the influences that might have impact on your perception of yourself and creativity and the value of it at that time or the validity of it. Well, the... Um... The instinct that I always had, you know, and again, it, it, you were sneezing before, you know, this season is uh, yeah. lethal, lethal oh. to so many of us, right? Yeah. And as a child, I've said before that it would knock me out so much that all I could really do was read, you know, listen to music or, or read. And um, that uh, that opens up the imagination, right? Um, so I would go with it, you know, and whether it was you know, the latest heavily plagiarized story or um, song lyric that sounds exactly like the song that was on the radio while I was writing or whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, that early on, I mean, I'm, I'm talking from like eight to 14, that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, first time me and my three notes, my three bass notes that I could play uh, was joining a band, you know, and I... I took the living room uh, uh, win uh, uh, window shade, which was like six foot by eight foot, and I painted on the entire window shade. Painted on the window shade. Yeah, because it was we got a new one, so I said, "Don't throw the old one out," and gave it to me. And I painted this enormous wizard, you know, arms extended bolts of you know Marvel style bolts come out of the hand, all that crap, right? Yeah. Um, also saved me from burning hands, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I bring this out and to my parents and um, I had uh, I had two very, very different parents. My father was, you know, they both grew up through, through <laughs> their childhood was the Great Depression and oh, World geez. War II. That was their childhood. Oh, my yeah. God. The yeah. 30s and 40s. We think pandemic. Yeah. Holy crap, right? Yeah. Great Depression and World War II. His their high school years was World War II. Uh, they graduated June of '45, and my father signed up, and the the war was over. He was peacetime in Japan. So yeah, that's experience. So he's always, you know, he's a civil service guy. He was a cop for 28 years. He's always get a job that's going to be there for you, right? Job, 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 job. Baltimore catechism, job. And my mom, God bless her. She had uh, she had mental issues and emotional issues. Um, I'm not sure whether it was bipolar or uh, egocentricism, but there was a mixture of the both. Um, 
So here I am coming out with the, the, the wizard. <laughs> so on, a, on, a, on a window shade. 14, look at what I've done. Backdrop for the drummer, man. We're gonna, this is going to be great. All three notes going to make us famous, man. So, <laughs> so I unrolled this thing. And I'm extending as high as my hands could come. And the thing goes down to the, the floor, right? And I show it to him. And I can't see their reaction. And I bring it down. And my father's like... Did you get paid? Oh, jeez. <laughs> and, and my mom is making this face. All she can really see is the the window shade. How, why did you ruin the window shade? You know? The one that they were going to throw away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, and, and does this reflect on us somehow, right? So, so and, I, and I mean, you, except for like one or two people who got me, you know, the rest were like, you know, if you walk past, you know, they would sing like, I'm just a singer in a rock and roll band, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, it's the Bronx. Everybody abused everybody, right? So I, I lived in a family that, that predominantly said no in a community that predominantly said hell no. And, and you know, ex except for one or two people, you know, like I had this one guy, Roger, still a good friend of mine, and he would he would hand me novels to read like we were doing a drug deal. We would be off to the side, and he'd reach into his jeans jacket and pull out, like, you know, Kurt Vonnegut, you know, Sirens of Titan, and say, yeah, hey, check this out. And I'd put it in my, and act like nothing happened until I got home, you know? That's how, that was the kind of Perception, crazy. man. Perception. So in that, you know, if you're in that kind of thing, and you're still a dreamer, you're looking for someone to say yes. And that leads to our next thing, I think. Yeah, well, it, it it does. Um, I will I will not counter that, but I will just add my two cents to say that um, not until the past couple of years, in particular, have I consciously um, realized how blessed I was in my upbringing because uh, I did not have a, a, a mother didn't get it. Um, I, my dad wasn't in the picture at all, but I didn't have a mother who didn't get it. Uh, she just basically <laughs> wanted to make sure that, you know, she stopped getting the reports from the teachers that I'm a great kid, but I'm daydreaming all the time. You know, she was talking to me about that, you know. He's always sitting at the window, looking out the window. His eyes are looking at the ceiling. And he's, a, he's such an intelligent boy, but he's always nice daydreaming. Boy. Yeah, he's a nice boy. He's a polite boy, but he's never conscious. He's, he's they don't, we don't know where he really is. Yeah, <laughs> you know what is he on? What is he on? You know, but you know, other than that, she never got you know reports that I was acting up or terrorizing anybody. <clears throat> and I, I got plenty of paper, you know, whether it was loose leaf or or lined paper, and I was drawing like crazy and making up stories. And I had action figures, not dolls, action figures. I had action figures that I was constantly living adventures with, acting out adventures with. I mean, and, and was, it was the thing. It was, and I watched movies and I watched cartoons and my imagination was going bonkers. And I had a couple of neighborhood buddies who we would go to either Central Park or Riverside Drive Park and run around being nuts, you know, reenacting whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. But there was, there was no conscious time where I was put down for that. What I was, what I felt uh, put me, uh, you know, sort of made me stand away from or stand out or be ostracized in some way, shape or form was the poverty. I, I was in uh, a middle school. I was, well, first I was in an elementary school that had middle class families all around it. And I was in what they called the IGC class, intelligent and gifted class. I had them completely fooled. And, you know, and I, so I was, I think for like three, three grades, four grades, I was the only black kid in my class. And I was the only kid who didn't have a father. And I was the only kid whose mom was on um, welfare or social assistance. Mm -hmm. So... I didn't have the Hector Heathcote lunchbox with the thermos and the apple and the freshly made sandwich wrapped in, in wax paper. Um, and I had the school lunch and I had all these. 
So that was where I began to feel less. Yeah. And, we and were, that, uh, you know, that uh, affects you. So you go into your imagination. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. We were what you would call um, lower middle class or working poor or something like that. I don't know. It was when my father worked. My mother didn't always work. And um, clothes would show up, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Somehow they scraped enough money, you know, because my mom wanted to say to all her girlfriends that she had a, t uh, a child in Cardinal Spellman. So I got uh, very, very much pushed to go into that school. Turned out to be a good school, God bless it. But, yeah. but you also uh, had siblings. I didn't. Right, that's true. Yeah. Um, but I got these clothes that I could, so I could go to Spellman in, in proper attire. And uh, first week, I'm walking down the hallway and uh, plaid double-knit bell-bottoms. Oh, God! Uh, and, and I hear an upperclassman say, Whoa, look! There go my pants! Oh! He lived up the block from me. Oh! And my mother knew his mother. And she said, Oh, well, he wore these all the spellmen. You, you can... And never told me. Oh, man. My entire wardrobe was that kid's clothes. Oh, man. Oh, so, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, so yeah. How, weird how does this, you know, but again, for, for the audience, how does this impact on? on well, because you want no, to. No, no, I wasn't asking. I was asking. You want to be just, accepted. You want to. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. But, you know, it, it, again, it, it yeah, you want to be accepted and everything. And if you don't feel accepted, in a young period in your life, at a young time in your life, that leaves a mark. Yeah. That that chisels away a little bit at the foundation that's being constructed at that point in your life, and you build on that cracked foundation, or that. And I think that's a common denominator with writers: is that the reason we write is that some foundation is cracked somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it makes us susceptible to what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So again, you know, you get into um, the the business of 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 trying to promote yourself as a writer, or trying to figure out if you're going to be a writer. And again, there are other types of creatives, but we're focusing on writing right now. You you start exploring writing maybe in high school or or, or college. You're writing, you know, but you're thinking about at some point, I want to write a book, or I want to write a play, or I want to be a writer. And you're also building on these these insecurities now. Whether or not, because this is, you know, you and I are from a, a different generation, all right? There were more gatekeepers back in the day. You had to go through uh, publishing houses. You had to go through agents to get to the publishing houses. You had to have something to show to get to have an agent pick you up to then take you to the publishing houses. And then you had a certain number of publishing houses that if they didn't want your stuff, that was it. Doors closed, end of the trail, forget about it. Right. Now with the internet and, and, and all of the availability of getting your material out there, the gatekeepers have less control over the arena. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is a whole nother discussion. Right. But now there's, there's the flood of possibilities. But again, how well do you do it? How right. good are you? Uh, how committed are you? How consistent are you? These become the new questions. And I think, again, building on the cracked foundation of how, you know, am I even worthy? You know, you know, that's that's a that's a flaw you've got to face. It's it's a right. muscle you've got to work and you've got to address. And so, and again, there's, there's another gatekeeper in that there's millions of people who put out books. Oh, yeah. Whether yeah. they're good or not. And that hurts your book from being seen, even if it's the best of the lot. Right. Well, it's because you the know? challenge is how do you get seen? And then that gets to promotion. But before we even get there, there's the, the, the step of stepping up to take the challenge of creating something to put it out there. So just even that step. Do, am I good enough? Are my ideas good enough? Is anybody going to want to read this? You know, it's probably stupid. Uh, I'm never going to this. I'm not as good as so-and-so. And we go through those things. And again, it's chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. 
So one of the things is that we we need to give ourselves permission to play in our creative imagination. We need to say it's okay, man. No matter what the neighborhood or the family yeah. says. And, <laughs> and 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 I even use the word play because I know some people go, well, you know, I got to work hard at this, and it's going to be hard work, and I got to keep working on it. And yeah, and that it, there is work involved, absolutely. But when you focus on the work, 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 like you did, get a job, get a job, get it. You know, when you focus on that, sometimes that's intimidating. Sometimes what you're hearing is, well, it's not real work. You're hearing one of those other voices, right? So allow yourself the time and the freedom to play in your creative imagination, to have an idea, to, to, to throw it down on a sheet of paper on your, your, your digital screen and knock it around and, and, and you know, smack it up and, and, and dabble with it and, and brain drop, brain dump as the phrase goes, or mind map, you know, other ideas around that theme and then see what fits and what doesn't fit and then play with, because once again, it may feel like it's your whole life or life and death, but it's not. It is, it is about you giving yourself permission to explore you and to be you and to express you. And what level of quality isn't really the first question. It's can you tell that story? Can you get that story out of you and onto a surface so that you can see it, you can hear it, you can look at it. And then depending on where you wanna go from there, you take the next logical step. So that's the first thing is, is really starting to work on our giving ourselves permission to try it and, and to explore that. So that's, that's the first step. Um, and again, you talked about you know, the, the, the saturation effect, if you will, of suddenly you know, everybody's got a free ticket into the arena, and that's absolutely true. But like also anything else, there's like, they used to say when I was in, in acting for a number of years, you know, when I was younger, uh, that was what I was pursuing. And they would say that something like 100,000 would-be actors come to New York every year. But by the end of that year, you're down to maybe 10,000 because they're not consistent or tenacious or it was like, you know, like, I kind of want to, but not really. Or they discover something else or they get beaten down. You know, they, they, they hit enough rejections or enough non-acceptance form in somehow, some form, and they quit. So it whittles down. So it's how tenacious are you? How persistent are you? How consistent are you? And, and so, again, with what you were saying, you know, with the flood of material that's out there, good or bad, uh, it is also how long do they stay in the game? How aggressive are they with promotion? How consistent are they with maintaining some sort of awareness with the, let's call it the fan base or the clients or customers that they managed to grab in that first outing? You know, these are also questions that we, you and I, Chris, have had to answer and experience yeah. from time to time. And it's, you know, it's, if there are 10 people grabbing three or four readers from you, that's a lot. If there's a million grabbing two or three from you, that can be devastating. The only thing you have is to serve your story so that it is something that is will make an impact on the reader. You know, is the very best you can do with your voice. And then stay true to that when you're serving your story in the market, you know, and whatever that definition is for you you know for some it's trans traditional for some it's independent mm -hmm. figuring out how to do that without getting derailed again is it's just the next rung to climb up and it, you have to accept that that's the next part of the business right and and it's funny you should say that because that was exactly where i was going hi right <laughs> I'm, I'm from transitions are us how are you today yeah right so, you know, it is, it is, it starts out as how to write the story. And then it becomes, depending on what you're, you feel your next step is, the pursuit of that, that story getting published. So 
It's how to write the story, and then it's how to get the story published. And do you want to, again, as Chris was saying, the traditional route, do you want to try and get an agent who will then try and get you a publisher? Or if you're doing what Chris has been doing in particular this past year, is uh, I think maybe a little longer than a year, which yeah. is writing some short stories and articles and sending those out. So you're skipping the agent step, but you're sending it out to online publications or magazine publications or local newspaper publications to see if you can get the stories, uh, short stories, articles accepted and get them published. Yeah, so, I, I, won't, I won't hide the goal for that. The goal is to get out there and to get some credits so that yeah. when you go to the agents, when you go to the publisher, well, recently I've been published, boom, 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 you know, and oh, well, he's, you know, he's building it, yeah, you know, kind of thing. Um, well, the other, the other end of that, too, is, is, the, yeah, da down, boy, down, right. The other, the other end of that is that you're also honing, honing your craft. Mm -hmm. You are yeah. consistently working at r becoming a better writer, uh, finding um, uh, more words to express your thoughts and feelings, uh, finding more topics, exploring more topics to, to, for your stories, more inspirations and points of motivation. So all of that is it's just like any, um, any sport or any other skill, you build on it, you build it up. And the more you do it, the better you get, you know, at whatever pace is required, you know, and whatever pace you're able to meet. And I'll give people a, a bit of advice right now. Uh, there's a mistake that I made that you shouldn't make, and that is I mystified this part of uh, of the job, you know, and uh, you fall into the I'm a writer, not a marketer. Yeah, you, hmm. you have to be everything, you know. I mean, you can have greatest job in the world. You could be a neuroscience, a uh, neurosurgeon, right? But, you know, on Tuesday, you have to pick up milk. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Learn those skills, bro. Yeah, yeah. No, nowhere <laughs> to buy that milk. Yeah. 2%, 2% or, or yeah, non-fat. You know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, or you'll have to sit in a meeting about the, about the surgery and you have to learn those skills as well, you know? Um, so, that has been a revelation in the last year and a half is to learn that poem, learn that poem. Right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, again, that skills, is, man. yeah. That, that, and a, that brings a, us to thank our next, you, next obstacle. It, it does? It does. Okay, yeah. what is the next obstacle, Bob? Well, <laughs> well you had Ignatius. mentioned in our um, extensive, uh, uh, highly detailed uh, pre-production meetings, <laughs> We were sitting around with the writing staff. Yeah, right. All uh, through. You know, you talked about um, courses out there mm -hmm. and um, people wanting to teach uh, you how to succeed. And uh, I would imagine that's the next thing. Because well, when, we're yeah. learning these, when we're learning these marketing things, we got to go somewhere to learn, you know. Uh, how do fa Facebook ads work? How do... Uh, Al algorithms work, you know. What, what we, is an algorithm? Can you right. What is that? And do you need a shotgun? <laughs> um, right. Um, yeah. What works and doesn't work for um, social media? How do I get my first hundred million sales? Yeah, that's right. And 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 what platform? What platform? And which guru? And all of those things. And. Uh, you said something. Uh, I'll set it up, and then I'm gonna you know, shoot the ball to you, and you go for the basket. Um, you know, you you can reach out online because if you're working in the online world, again, gatekeepers are gone, or at least weakened. So there's this way through into millions and millions and millions and millions of homes, and that's through social media and the and the internet. And so you want to know how to do that, just like Chris and I were alluding to. So in order to learn that, you then suddenly start seeing ads. The moment you start peeking around looking for it, it's like the, the little digital hawks come out and they track you and you start seeing these multiple ads by uh, thousands of gurus who have the secret. They right. have the absolute secret to you being a millionaire by Thursday. So you have to, 
you have to, there's a there's a leap of faith involved, but there's a logical Sherlockian pathway to determining how far the leap has to go, has to be. And so, Chris, what were you saying about that? I've developed um, three steps. First, um, if they're telling you that they have the secret for the first hundred million sales, your your first hundred million sales. You research who they are and what they've sold. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a guy in San Francisco named Joel, and he will uh, he does um, cover design and interior design, and he does workshops on that. However, he's been doing it for 20, 25 years, and now he does workshops. Go go to that guy because he's paid his bone his dues and he's made his bones. But if you go and search someone who's going to tell you how to make your first hundred million sales and you see that the one thing they've published is a book called how to make your first hundred million sales, you know, they haven't. They haven't really earned the right to tell you how to do your thing. You know, that's it's not there, you know, and if. uh God bless it. There's a lot of 20 somethings out there, early 30 somethings who have the secret and find out what they've done to find that secret. If it's or besides telling you that that they've got the secret, you know, besides that, what have they done? They Google the secret and then turn it into a workshop, run run away. (laughs) Okay, so that's the first one is do some research. And the second one is to find out about as much from people before you commit money to them you know uh if they're all that they should give you a taste they should have a website they should have lead magnets freebies magnets first lesson here's Mm -hmm. an interview with them webinars see where else they've been yeah if they've been teaching this for 10 years if they've gone to a bunch of places maybe yeah and you know and and if not hmm maybe you keep looking and they're coming to you just open up instagram or twitter or whatever it's heavy on instagram these days um here's the third rule and this third rule is sacrosanct this is the golden rule don't be opus what i mean by that <laughs> who is opus right okay. in the 1980s i believe it was the 80s uh, there was a comic strip called Bloom County, and uh, they had all sorts of characters. One character was uh, a dead cat. We won't talk about him today, uh, Bill. Uh, but there was another one for no apparent reason. He was a penguin, and his name was Opus. He was a wonderful, wonderful character. And one of the reasons it was wonderful was because he was highly flawed, right, uh, in the most adorable ways. One of his major flaws was that he, he wasn't really good at sleeping. So you'd watch late night TV and get just suckered into buying everything on every all the info all, all these boxes would come in with Ginsu knives and you know how to improve and weight loss programs and diet fads and all these different things. Don't be opus. And what I mean by that is from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. Do not allow yourself to sign up for any programs whether it's <laughs> how to you know how to make great facebook ads or how to sell your first kabillion copies or you know uh, um, get your name out there and create your work you, you know turn your work into a bestseller none of that stuff should even be looked at after 8 p.m and far less purchased from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. And if you are one of those people trying to get people, I look forward to your cards and letters, too. <laughs> but as Chris said earlier, though, he says, you, know, you shouldn't make any decision until after you have your first cup of morning coffee. <laughs> whatever it yeah. is. I'm a tea yeah. guy. Walk, you know, whatever it is. I go for a run or whatever. You know, yoga people. I, You know what? I stand on my head and become one with the universe. Well, you don't buy that course until after you've become one with the universe. Right, and then the universe will show you which course to buy. And yoga people, if you're mad at that, that's just because you haven't seen my gut. 
Yeah, right. So no, but, I got you send your cards and letters to him then, too. Yes, and if you do, please tell me how to begin, because I really need it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, true, again, true. these are these are our sort of warning shots, uh, you know, over the bow here is 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 don't let that somewhat mm, shaky foundation of that time period when you were, you know, you were young, you were growing up and, and the naysayers had control or some of those little negative thoughts got in there and took root. Don't let them be the, the filter through which you send everything. Right. Try to trust that you're different now. You're older. You've had some experience. You, you, you're not sure of something, then as, as Chris and I are saying, check it out. You know, I, again, I mentioned I, I check out a lot of these entrepreneurial programs and uh, the freebies as well as other things because I'm trying to learn about them. And I have very cautiously watched different people over the past two, three years, you know, and checked out some of their material and stuff like that. And what I look for is where they cross lines. I look could you, for Could you explain that? Sure, absolutely. So, all right. So, so um, for instance, with promotion in social media, like Instagram, okay, yeah. there are like five people that I've watched for a long time in terms of what they say about how to use Instagram, how to grow with Instagram. Uh, Vanessa Lau is one of them. Alex Tooby is another. Uh, Elise Dharma is another one. There's Danielle, uh, Danielle Leslie. Um, there are a number of people, and what I do none is none of them paid us. No, no, none of them. Right, and and you can forget their names just as quick as I just said them because I was just doing that as an example. But and I have nothing nothing bad to say about any of them. I'm just saying is I look at what each of them says, and they're very different people, different ages, different uh, nationalities, all that kind of stuff. But I look at what they're saying. I also look at their age, their ages, and I say, and I say, where do they share the same information? You know, whatever your style, whatever kind of material you're talking about, whatever you're saying that's different, 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 where do you intersect? And I look at the intersections. And I'll, and again, so some, some guy who's 45 saying such and such and someone who's 22 and a female and living in San Diego as opposed to Yugoslavia. You know, I'm looking at where do you intersect? What are the universal truths? And then I'll check those out slowly. Because again, like, like Chris and I were talking about before, we're also talking money here. You want to make money with your work. You're also going to have to spend money to learn certain things or spend money to publish certain things. You know, if we get, get into KDP and all that kind of Amazon books and all that kind of stuff in another episode, and we've talked about it before. But, you know, it's going to cost you. It's definitely going to cost you in some way, shape, or form at some time. So you may not have deep pockets. You may not, you know, even if you, you've been uh, working stiff with a regular nine to five, and you've got savings. I mean, you don't want to blow all your savings on that first shot. And then Lord help you, it's not even close. So again, give yourself permission to play in your creative imagination. You don't have to write a novel if you're just starting out writing. Write short stories. Write articles. You know? And, and, and again, we can go into a whole thing about microfiction and stuff like that. But bottom line is, you, you, know, you don't have to do 85,000 words. You can do 500. And if you do enough of those, you are still building your craft. What was the um, shotgun? What was it? Shotgun Honey. Shotgun Honey, yeah. right. It's another I website. really had good experience with them. Short um, stories, right. How, how short, many words? 700 words. There you go. Put, and that's such a great exercise because when we're, when we're uh, given... You know, if you're given a million words, you'll find a way to tell that story in a million words. But if you're given 700 to right. tell that same story, you find out exactly what's important. That's right. And, and um, my wife said to me, God bless that goddess, I'm telling you. Yes, uh, she is. She read um, The Difference, which was the one that I sent to Divination Hollow, and they were completely correct in uh, rejecting it. Um, and For the reasons God bless that they them rejected it. Yeah, they, they didn't think it was a bad story, just here's the problem with it uh, for our audience, which was such great education, and uh, I hope my education with them continues. Um, but she's, the goddess made a comment. She says, you're so much more efficient with your um, descriptions. I give all that prop to um, Shotgun Honey because you, you got to tell a whole crime story in 700 words. Yep. 
you better start getting efficient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's, you know, it's like when well, I... hell, the shotgun, baby. It's like when I teach um, comic book uh, writing or comic strip writing, which is even more uh, focused, is, you know, you can see the story or the joke in your head like a movie. And, you know, and you want, you see all this whole scene this, you know, from beginning, middle to end. But then you have to decide what are the snapshots of the most important moments that are necessary to convey that story within the limits of those panels that you have to work with. And so that becomes efficient. It's like going from, from Walt Whitman to haiku. You know, it's, it's the, 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 you, can, you can write verses of poetry or you could do it in, was it five words, six words, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, and, and again, being more efficient with your word selection doesn't make you a weak writer. It makes you a stronger writer, more focused, more concise. But if you can pick the right words, boom, you got it. And, and, and again, I'm sorry, just to say this again, for those of you who are you know, at the beginning of your journey or in the early stages of your journey as a writer, make the mistakes. Yep. No, yeah, please, please feel free to do that because you will not grow if you don't do the work, if you don't make the mistakes, you don't see the mistakes and then try to improve on them, you won't grow. You will stagnate at exactly the same level because of fear, which goes back to that whole thing about the fractured or damaged foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. true. So, and, um, I'm sorry, go ahead, Chris. Well, I was gonna say that, you know, the idea of becoming more efficient by writing tight, like a 700 word, is the same kind of idea where you're trying to learn marketing, trying to learn all that sort of stuff, you know, learn to the cross it. If we were to pan the camera over, Either way, you'd see somewhere between 20 and 30 books on marketing or turning. Has, has your camera crew gone to lunch again? I, I hate when they do that right in the middle of filming. <laughs> they're gonna, they're, you know what? They're gonna charge me double because it's Sunday. But <laughs> I'm over there by Hawkeye, and then the others would be. Oh my God! There, I'm getting numb. My head, my head. <laughs> okay, I'm so spinning. now. The drugs now are wearing everybody off. Has vertigo. Everybody has vertigo. <laughs> and uh, the lawsuits are coming in. Please address those lawsuits to Alex Simmons. Thank you very much. He's the one who requested the camera crew to get up off their butts uh, on a you know, Sunday. For, you know, for what we're paying them. You know, Sunday Nunzio is double and yeah. overtime. Double yeah. overtime. They're right. in the union. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> now, if your security chief is a dog and your editors are cats i i can't imagine <laughs> what your camera people are well they're supervised by uh the newly famous isabel crumple is, oh isabel isabel yeah now you know she was sick so one of her ears was crumbled so isabel crumple ah. and she became twitter famous yesterday because I was listening to um, Defenders Dialogue, which is a great podcast, and it's also on Brian Keane's YouTube page, and it's about the Bronze Age of Comics. Marvel Comics, right? So now they have started doing Marvel 2-in-1 and Marvel Team-Up. So I think there's like three episodes in. Um, so I was catching up with that yesterday after doing, I don't know, way too much physical labor. That was what my body was saying. Uh, trying to get that the yard ready and all that stuff. So um, I'm listening and I look over and Isabel Crumple is sitting upwards, right? And the light, the, the dying of the light is just enough to make her kind of glow. And she's staring at the screen. So I took a video of her. You can hear, you can hear the uh, Brian Keene and Christopher Golden, your boy Christopher yeah. Golden, talking in the background. And then I just panned over to Defenders Dialogue. And then I panned back to her, you know. So I posted it with saying, "Is Isabel Crumple has become obsessed with Defenders Dialogue. Brian Keene answered almost immediately. You know, I said, I, I think uh, me and Christopher Golden are going to have to say hi to her next episode. <laughs> she has 12 likes and uh, four or five retweets of her video. So um, she's in charge of all production and uh, anything that's going on in the office. So uh, I guess we'll have to talk to her about paying that extra overtime for yeah for the camera getting everyone vertigo. <laughs> well, yeah. 
Um, okay, so in, in, in sort of winding this up, rounding this off, uh, and any other metaphor that one wants to come up with, um, once again, I, I will start out with and, and simply say again, acknowledge that uh, we're all flawed, okay? Acknowledge that, you know, if you had an absolutely idyllic lifestyle growing up and everybody was in your corner and everybody loves you and your work was always lauded over and, and, and considered great, magnificent, good for you. Many of us were not. And, and ultimately, if you have any doubts about your skills, okay, deal with it. Because don't let it stop you. That's the thing. Give yourself permission to play in your creative imagination. Give yourself permission to try to do the writing, to try to get, get your material out in front of people, to learn what you need to learn in order to do better as a writer, but also to then accept that if you're going to go the traditional route, then you're going to have to get your work in condition and in, in, a, in a proper format to approach agents and editors and publishers and all of that. And if you're going to go non-traditional, then you're still going to have to do, uh, you still have to edit it in some way, shape or form because the writer as his or her only editor is a bad idea. So you're going to have to give somebody something, you know, the job of, of editing you. You're going to have to get feedback on it. You're then going to have to learn promotion. You're going to have to learn how to publish it. So there's going to be challenges all along the way. Give yourself permission to do those things in the time it takes so that you have your best possible shot at that. And again, it's, it, you know, allow yourself to, to, to make mistakes. Just allow that because you'll grow from that. Yeah, and it's the attitude towards the mistake, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, in the writing, I always say, let it suck and run to the rewrite, right? And the same thing with, you know, like uh, today's rejection. I was like, all right, all right, here's where I, here's where I misstepped, here's where I can grow. I can learn more about this, and this, these people are offering to help me with that. That's fantastic, you know. Um, we have to learn in all directions, you know. Our our friends over at Black Nerd Problems, um, Omar Holman, yay, Omar, and and Chris uh, William Evans, yep. Um, they that book's coming out, um, but they're a website and a, a media source that is um, unflinching in its uh, acknowledgement of you know white privilege, white racism, and all that stuff, and accounting of the black experience in america you know and and uh, i am uh of the pale paler side of this species <laughs> and um have not had the experiences that they've had i mean everyone has experiences but when you're reading about someone who is a nerd like you and uh shown this great lightsaber and all that stuff and at a con and goes to a con and sees, oh, it was a sword, goes sees yeah. these collection of swords. This is what one of William Evans' story in Black Nerd Problems. Um, and s immediately has to do the calculus. What are the odds of him safely getting from the con to his car with a beautiful sword like this, like a collector's sword from one of his anime or sci-fi, you know, or Game of Thrones or whatever. And while he would love to have it, that he is black, makes it impossible for him to safely get to his car without being arrested on a weapons beef. Mm. You know, that is something that turns the lights on for the uh, uh, those who have not suffered in that way, you know, who has not been forced to think in that way. You know, um, and I think that if the society is going to move forward, everybody's got to be open to everyone else's experiences and learn from it and, you know, let it temper and, and season the way you live your life. And so, and one of the best ways to do that, again, keeping in touch with this, the mm -hmm. theme of today's show is to produce those stories. So if you're living these learn, experiences, learn with your eyes open. <clears throat> yeah. Learn with your eyes open, produce these stories, tell your stories, tell your damn stories. And read other people's damn stories. And, and that is a way for us all to grow one way or the other. But it's still a pathway to growth. Yeah. Okay, and I Chris. Felt, I, feel, I felt great by the generosity of that rejection and the opportunity to learn and to grow. So that that part, that 
nuance of my writing can grow. That's the attitude I think that we want to try and lead you with both in your writing and your marketing. But I'm get it right. What's the opportunity? Bam. You know, right. spend my, my money wisely, my time wisely. How can I learn? Bam. That's how you tell your own story. And I, by and the way, uh, we will we will do an episode um, possibly somewhere within the next uh, eight to nine as we move towards 200 episodes. But we will do an episode about that's right. 200 episodes. We're moving towards we're when eight or nine episodes away from 200. Um, we'll do an episode about how long it took us to get to the point of where we can accept criticism. Because oh, it is right. not an instance. <laughs> you know, it's not like, oh, yeah, that rolled right off. No problem. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> I had so much training where I grew up. <laughs> like I said, we will talk about that in another episode more in depth. Yeah. <laughs> more in depth. Okay, Chris, it's been great. Great, 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 great with you, brother. Thank I you, Captain. We've got some good stuff out of this. Yeah, and, and everybody, again, we're rolling towards 200 episodes. So stay tuned because it's only going to get better. Thank you, straight. <laughs> Take care, buddy. Peace, everybody.